Jesus is the light of the world. That's been our theme through the uh, season of Advent, that the light has come. And we're going to focus on that a little bit more this morning. And I want to encourage you to look up the verse that I want us to think about this morning. It's found in John chapter 8, which would be on page 1662 of your uh, pew Bibles there. As our children... Uh, shared with us their birthday party this morning, and they talked a lot about cake and candles. Uh, I thought it would be fitting that I would maybe share with you about a party that had perhaps some of the largest candles ever in history. And we find that today in our Bible reading. If you look at just ahead of John chapter 8, where I told you to turn, the context for this passage is at a pretty big party. Look at John chapter 7. The heading there, at least in my Bible, says, Jesus goes to the Feast of Tabernacles. So we see that Jesus, in verse 3, his brothers invited him to come to the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus said, no, it's not time for me to go there. So his brothers went ahead of him. And then we see in John uh, chapter Oh, about 14, John chapter 7, 14. It says, not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. So the, that's the context for John chapter 8, verse 12, where I asked you to turn. Jesus is going to the Feast of Tabernacles. We might say uh, today in our language, we also might say booths, because a, uh, a tabernacle is a uh, temporary dwelling. In Hebrew, this event is called the Feast of Sukkot. A sukkah, which the festival is named after, is just what I said. It's a temporary dwelling. Uh, think a survivor shelter. You put the logs together, you put what you can find, you cover it up, uh, you make sure it's, a, you know, it's just something that you can live in and just have some some freedom from the elements. That's a, that's a sukkah. And that's what the festival was named after. And we'll get back to that in a moment. The festival of Sukkot. That's the context for this passage. And I, I want to say that at the core of this festival, it was all about celebrating God who was a provider. God the provider. That's why they came together. They came together to say, yeah, God, we know that you are our God. You are our God who provides for us. You are Jehovah Yireh, the God, the provider. And that's what they came together to celebrate. And this feast of Sukkot really had at its roots uh, two emphasis. The first would be agricultural, because all of really the festivals in Israel revolved around agriculture because they moved into this land that God said I'm going to give you but in this land I'm giving it to you you're gonna to have to depend on me day in and day out you're gonna to have to depend on me so it was a land that caused God's people to to continually look to him for provision and so this festival celebrates that because it happens at the end of the agricultural year this is the last uh, it's September, October, they're gathering together the last crops. And they're pulling these last crops together. And they're saying, we've, we've had a great growing season. We've had a lot 
of blessing in this growing season. And God, we want to praise you for that. And God, we want to celebrate your provision for that. You sent rain to nourish the ground. Our crops grew. We have a bountiful harvest. And God, we just thank you for that. And, and God, now we're just going to seek you that you would provide rain in these winter months so that again in the spring our crops would begin to grow. God, you are the great provider. Not only was it an agricultural celebration, but as with all the festivals, it also had a historical dimension. Because we always look back to our God. Because our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so God's people would say, yes, God provided today, but remember in the past, who was God? Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And this particular festival looked back to the time where God's people came out of the Exodus and they lived in the wilderness for 40 days. And during that time where they lived in that, or 40 years, sorry, 40 days. Wow, that would have been over like that. 40 years, that's a whole different story, isn't it? They were in the wilderness for 40 years. And during that 40 years, what did God do for them? Provided. They received their food from the heavens. The manna fell from the heavens. They received their water from a rock. God provided for them while they were moving through the desert. And, if, and, and while they were in the desert, what did they live in? They lived in sukkahs, temporary shelters. They were moving. They were only temporary people. So they had these temporary shelters over their head while they were in the desert for these 40 years where God provided. And God said, I want you to remember that because that's who I am. That's the way that I, I care for my people yesterday. I will do it today and I will do it tomorrow. And so God says to them in Leviticus 23, God says, on the 15th of the seventh month is the Feast of Tabernacles. And for seven days to the Lord, you shall thus celebrate it as a feast to the Lord. It shall be a perpetual statute through your generations. You shall live in booths for seven days. So God says, this is what I want you to do as my people. It's, it's written in to the book to remember me, remember me, the provider, remember what I did. So you are going to, for seven days, build these temporary booths, these tabernacles, the sukkahs, and you're going to live in them. And during that time, you're going to celebrate me, the provider. And you're going to celebrate that I will provide for you in the future. And God's people still celebrate this festival today. Earlier you saw some of the pictures when I was head up there of the Sukkot. You could see some of the ones that they live in today. Our guide Ronan, when we were in Israel, said that the children love the festival of Sukkot. The adults hate it. Seven days camping out. Woohoo! You move out of your house and you live in it. In it and some all, you know how you kind of follow the example or the rules. Uh, there's a variance on that, but at least you would eat your meals outside. But the kids really loved it when you slept outside. And it was a party, and it was a good time, and they still celebrate that today. This is the feast that this context takes place in right here, the festival of Sukkot. And as I mentioned, at the forefront of this celebration is the Sukkots. You build these uh, you, you, these temporary shelters, they're open to the sky so that you can, uh, that you can um, see the heavens where God is and that you, can, uh, you live out there and you remember that. That's, that's one of the features. You also went during this celebration uh, would be um, 
before I move on, I want to say this. When I was just thought about this, and uh, to piggyback on Rachel's reading, think of this festival of Sukkah, okay? This whole idea of tabernacles, this whole idea of temporary dwelling. And then reread John's opening words. In the beginning was the Word, right? And the Word was with God. And what did, what did the Word come to do? He came to dwell with us. I don't think that's an accident that John puts this here. He came to dwell with us, which means he came to tabernacle with us. He came to booth with us. He just came to hang out with us for a short time. And I'm going to tell you about him, says John. Here's the guy that came for just a short time. I want to tell you about him. I don't think it's any accident that John starts his gospel that way and then talks about this feast of Sukkot. In fact, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that Jesus was born during this festival of Sukkot in the fall. Because we know that the, the, uh, the animals, right? The shepherds were out in their fields with, these, with the sheep. And what do sheep do? They munch, 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 right? Well, if there were crops growing there, you wouldn't bring your sheep into the fields, right? Because the sheep would destroy the crops. But after the growing season, oh, there's a lot of good remnants left on the ground, isn't there? And then the shepherds would bring their sheep into the field during that time to eat the remnants. And so when we just line up things agriculturally, it seems like the birth of Jesus would happen in the month and maybe during the festival of Sukkot. You also find, which I'm not going to go into all the numbers, but if you take the numbers from Mary and Elizabeth, and, and when Elizabeth was found to be with child, and when Mary was found to be with child, and you move that forward, you end up in the same way. You end up in September. You end up in, in, in October. Because any later you get into the winter months, and it's rain, and it's nasty. And so this is what uh, most think. So John centers, he uses this idea that, okay, Jesus was born maybe during this festival of Sukkot, the tabernacle, the festival of tabernacles. And guess who he is, the one who came? He tabernacled with us. He tabernacled with us. And so we build these booths and we remember our God who uh, provided for us. And not only that, the second dimension that they would have, because whenever you go to a festival, you want to know what's going on, right? You get the program and you look at it and go, oh, what are the events? Is there a craft show today? Are there fireworks today? Is there a parade today? What do we do? And so they're heading to this festival and they go, well, okay, well, we got to build our booths. We got that done. Well, now what happens at the festival? Well, another thing that happened at the festival was a water ceremony. Because remember, they're remembering the past, a God who provides in the past. God uh, provided them water in the past. What do they need today to live for their crops? Well, they need water. And so we're going to remember God, so we're going to have a water ceremony. And they would have the water ceremony uh, each and every day. And then looking ahead, they would remember God who said, you know what, I'm going to send my water to pour over all the earth where you're going to be able to drink from the well of salvation. And so all the festivals point not only to today, but in the past and in the future. And so they would have the water ceremony. And then uh, you're like, okay, well, that's all done. Well, now what do we do? Well, now it's nighttime. And you know how you get excited like when you go to Disney and like, oh, they're going to pro project on the castle. They're going to have fireworks. They're going to do something great at night. God's people did something great at night. They had the illumination of the temple. The illumination of the temple was what happened every night. Now, you can imagine here uh, that they had in the court of the women, which was a place where all the Jewish people could ga gather, they had large menorahs, 
candles. I told you this was about large candles, right? They had four of them in each of the corners of the, of the uh, court of the women. They were 75 feet tall. I don't know what this is, maybe like 25 feet here, so maybe, maybe it's like three times as high as our going up the front here. You can imagine how high that was. These high candles on top, and they're menorahs, and, and they would send uh, the teens up front because they, were, they, were, they would climb up with a, a young guy would climb up with a, a pitcher full of like 10 gallons of oil, and they would pour that oil in so those menorahs would stay lit all night long. And then they would light those menorahs up and they just blazed. They just blazed and lit up the entire temple. Now you can imagine this is a time before electricity. So at night when it's dark, it's dark. So to have this light just, just engulfing everything was quite a symbol, isn't it? A symbol for God. Just the light, the presence of the Lord is right here among us today. And they're saying that that light lit up everybody's courtyard in all of Jerusalem. I mean, you can imagine, like, if you're not a Jewish guy, how cranky you would be, right? <laughs> oh, stupid Jews up there celebrating. I can't get any sleep, for crying out loud. I mean, it just lit up there, just lit up the whole place. And we're told that from Galilee, which is 25 miles away, you could see up in the sky the glow from the illumination. Okay? That's a big deal. It's just lit up. Can you begin to, this is, you got to feel this scripture passage a little bit. That's what I'm trying to paint a picture here for. You got to feel it. You got you to gotta see it. And then in the midst of this, they would take the, uh, the, the, the gifted guys who could do this, and they would light up torches. So this probably would be like Bill and, and me and maybe Bob and, and some others. We would take out the torches, and we would begin to dance with the torches because we were, we're the gifted ones. And we would, uh, and others would be uh, playing their, their lyres and their harps and their flutes because they're just celebrating. And what are they celebrating? God, because he does what? Provides. They're celebrating this God who provides. And they're just going nuts over this God who provides. Just going nuts. In fact, the, the Talmud tells us that if you haven't been to the Feast of Sukkot, you, haven't, you don't know what joy is. That's the kind of celebration it was. God's people just celebrating, just going all out, just because their, their great God is a God who provides for them. And our God has led us with his, with his light. In the past, when we were wandering through the desert, God led us by, his, by the fire through the desert. He kept the tabernacle lit up. His presence is with us all the time. God's with us today providing for us. And you know what God's going to do in the future? He's going to provide for us. Because the prophet Isaiah said, the people walking in darkness will see a great light. God's going to send the great light. That's what God's going to do. He's going to send the great light to us. And someday, all of us who are walking in sin, that sin will be broken. Those chains will be no more. And we'll be able to have this light and walk in the glory and, and, and of God and sin. we'll be freed from sin and we'll, we'll be holy people and we'll walk in relationship with Him. And there'll be no more death and no more mourning. Oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. Let's celebrate our God who does that. He's lighting things up. The festival of Sukkot. And in the middle of that, Jesus, we read in John chapter 8. I don't know if they're just extinguishing these lights from the, from the party of the morning 
Or I don't know if it's in the very middle of this where Jesus would run up the steps where he was at. But in the middle of this festival, in John chapter 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will see the light of life. just say that? Did he just say that? My goodness, we're celebrating God who provides. We're celebrating God who will provide. We're celebrating God who did provide. What did he just say? He's the light of the world. That makes him God? Did, did he just say that? Do you get the punch of this statement? Do you see what's behind this statement? It's not just some, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me. I'm the light of the world, come on! It's me! This light around us, this illumination, as beautiful as it is, all of this is going to get extinguished. In fact, this whole temple where you celebrate the presence of God is going to get destroyed. But I'll tell you what, not me. I'm going to raise in three days, and I am the light of the world. That's who I am. And the people who heard it knew what he was saying. He's saying, I'm the Messiah. The people walking in darkness, they will see a great light. He's saying he's the Messiah. He's saying he's the one who saves. He's saying he's the Holy One. He's saying he's God. He's the one? Yeah, that's what he's saying. Do you get the punch of what Jesus is saying? Because that's quite a claim, isn't it? I'm the light of the world. There is no other. I'm it. So what do you do with that claim? You got to make a decision, don't you? You can't just sit there because you hear him say that right now and I just declared it for you. You got to do something with that. And that's what confronted the people who first heard it. And we see that, that the Pharisees, are, I mean, the first thing, the Pharisees challenged him, right? That makes sense. What is he saying? He's, you're, he can't be God. He's not God. There's no way he's God. It says the Pharisees challenged him. And then they asked him more questions. And then the Pharisees said, well, who are you? They're trying to wrap their head around it. In verse 27, it says they didn't understand. They're not buying it. They're not accepting it. They're not taking it in. And so because, the, because they're not believing that Jesus is the light of the world, where are they going to continue to walk? In darkness. They're going to continue to walk in darkness. But then we read these words that says in verse 30, 8 verse 30, even as he spoke, many believed in him. Many believed in him. And that's the good news. And that's where this Christmas event brings us today. The light has come. I am the light of the world. And do you believe it? You got to make a choice. I mean, I'm just, there's, there's no getting around it. You got to make a choice. He is the light of the world or is he is not the light of the world. But if you don't choose to follow Jesus as the light of the world, you're going to be left walking in darkness. 
And our hope and prayer, and as Miranda said, her prayer was for the children. Our prayer is for, this, for you and for this community is that we would be able to be a light on the hill and point people to Jesus Christ who is the light of the world. And I want you to know today that if you are, you're struggling in darkness. Maybe you're struggling with a sin. Maybe you've never even turned your life towards Jesus. You just happened to show up today because the kids were singing, and Grandma said, you better come because she's singing today, and if you're not here, you're in trouble. That could be why you're here today, but it's not an accident because God wants to confront you today with the message, do you believe Jesus is the light of the world or not? All you have to do is say, yeah, he is the light of the world. In fact, I'm tired of walking in darkness. I'm tired of walking in hopelessness. I'm tired of walking in this broken world. In Jesus, I'm going to turn from walking this way, and I'm going to turn to follow you. Because you tell me that if I follow you, I will never walk in darkness again. And that's what I want in my life. Maybe you need to say that prayer today. And I hope you will. It's that simple. Just open up your heart to Jesus as we close the rest of the service off. And ask him to come into your life to be your light uh, to guide you. And my hunch is that there are others here that have believed this message. You've believed it. You know that Jesus is the light of the world. Do I have anybody here who's believed that message, that Jesus is the light of the world? Amen. Anybody believe that message, that yeah, he's the light of the world? Yeah. You were walking in darkness, but now you're in light? How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? You were lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. That's our Jesus who is the light of the world. And friends, we should be captivated just as God's people were back then by the joy of our salvation. Because it's not anything that we've done, but it comes from one place, from our God who provided for us. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. Friends, that's the good news. The light has come. I want to invite our uh, band and singers maybe back up front because I think we need to have a little joyous celebration here at the end. I think we need to have our own little festival uh, here at the end. I'm going to let you live in your own houses today. All right, we're going to do that. But we're going to celebrate the light. And so I'm going to ask Greg and maybe Kathy and, and, and Laura, can you pass out some light to people? We need some light going on here uh, during this last song. We're going to revisit the very first song we sang in the service. We're going to sing it again. But we're going to sing it with a little more joy. We're going to sing it with the light that's coming out, knowing that the light has come. And maybe you don't get one of our light... Uh, they're not lightsabers. They're light... Whatever. Uh, but if you feel like you got cheated, you can use your phone. How about that? You can use your phone because we're going to light up the place as we sing uh, to Jesus and celebrate the light of the world because the light has come. And because of that, we no longer have to walk in darkness. So friends, let's stand and let's rejoice in the light that has come.